0: Today's Food Friday Hunt Harvest Health podcast is brought to you by the Stealthy Dehydration and Canning Guide. Ryan and I have been working on this ebook for a number of months, and truthfully, we've been working on it for probably the last 20 years in just teaching ourselves food preservation, such as dehydration, canning, freezing, and just a number of ways to utilize all of the wonderful foods that we get from our property. We also have in there some foods that we wild harvest, such as mushrooms. And I decided to add a whole lot of extra work for myself, but it's going to really benefit you and getting you um, acquainted with some of the foods that we use in our recipes. Actually, all of the foods that we use in our recipes. I created a healing foods library. And what I did was I broke down Uh, all the foods that we have in the recipes, and I talked a little bit about them, maybe uh, what they are, like the qualities of the plant, and then how they're grown, uh, maybe what the climate, and then what are their healing or medicinal qualities. Now, I don't have all of the foods that we grow in the Stealthy Garden in the Healing Foods Library, the foods that are in the recipes in this guide are what's in the library because um, I'm going to keep adding to that library. Uh, but we don't dehydrate or can all of the food that we have in our garden, and so the healing food library is not 100% comprehensive of our, of our garden, but it is of the foods that you'll find in these recipes. This is very exciting for us. This is our first book. Our goal and our why is to get um, you as well as your children and your grandchildren, to understand the healing benefits of food and how it influences many generations to come. So hope you enjoy it. Enjoy this podcast today where we do talk about canning and dehydration. You can find the show notes for this podcast at huntharvesthealth.com slash podcast slash preservation.
1: Howdy folks, welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health podcast. What I thought we would do today for today's podcast was we're going to talk a little bit about what we're doing this time of year. We're going to talk about some dehydration, um, things that we're up to and talk about a little bit of canning. Um, it's harvest season. We are full swing. This is probably a podcast that we should have had knocked out about a month ago but mm-hmm. we're a little late to the party. We've been uh, just so tied up with everything and um, quickly <laughs> realized it's kind of hard to uh, get content out and do the processing and the canning and the, all the food prep that we And not doing.
0: have a kitchen that worked for a while. We just got our yeah, literally today got trim put in our kitchen so we, we're getting a functional kitchen again. And
1: Yeah, washing dishes and Running back and forth to the bathroom, like uh, to the <laughs> not to, to go to the, the
0: bathroom but to
1: do dishes. No, doing dishes in the bathtub is not <laughs> the best thing to do when you're when you're canning. Um, you really need good access to the sink and yeah. washing things. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's we don't live
0: in a big mansion with two kitchens, or I don't know what do people have that have fancy nah. stuff. They have more than one kitchen sink. We live in a pretty
1: <laughs> modest house, and uh, you wouldn't think it's much, but. I got some exercise running from the kitchen where I'm, you know, I've got my pressure canner going back and forth to where the water is because we had no sink, no anything. and It was just a struggle. No dishwasher. Crouching over the bathtub doing dishes. It's been just a blast. But, um, yeah, this is a podcast we probably should have done a while back. I know we're getting to that point of the year where, uh, you know, a lot of the people's gardens are kind of winding down which mine is for sure, but I still got a lot of stuff popping out there and, and we're still able to harvest a lot of, a lot of foods. Um, we still got that dehydrator, you know, cranking out a ton of food. So, and then also, you know, we're bringing in meat this time of year. Um, I've had, uh, you know, several, several animals so far this year, um, a bear, actually a couple of bears and then, uh, you know, a deer and an elk. So, you know, meat's coming in and, um, there's a lot of things that we like to do with it, um, other than just, you know, bring it to a butcher, drop it off and have them do it. So, um, I kind of find it pretty rewarding doing it myself. And and I know my meat's coming back to me and, um, I know that, uh, you know, every step has been taken to make that meat taste as good as as it can be. So, um, Yeah. There's there's, there's just a lot to it. It is really time consuming. So it's not easy. We're not going to fool anybody by saying doing all this stuff yourself is easy because it is not. And it definitely sucks up a lot of your time. But uh, it is pretty rewarding at the end of the season when you have everything, you know, in your pantry and you kind of kick the door open and look at it um, and see what you've done.
0: (laughs) That middle pantry, we have all the... So we have so much stuff this year that... Uh, the middle pantry in our hallway, we turned into. We put all the pickled stuff in there. Yeah. And halfway, it's right, but below this, it's not kind of by the stairs. Have you walked up the, the stairway? Like halfway up the stairs, it smells like pickles, and I was like, "Why does it smell like pickles up here?" Because we're not even pickling And Sometimes when he's canning pickling, the whole house stinks like vinegar for a while. But I realized it's that. That closet's venting up, right? And it's going right up the staircase. So you get a nice whiff of uh, spicy pickles every time you walk up the stairs. (laughs) Or down the stairs. In the morning when I wake up and I come down the stairs, it's like, ooh, some Um,
1: pickles. I've got a cruddy sniffer, so I'm not fortunate to be able to smell that.
0: (laughs) Well, the thing about this whole thing, this whole ordeal of food preservation is that you have to like food. You have to really care about where your food comes from, I think, and where your food's going.
1: Yeah, I think uh, we probably wanted to go with one of our methods of uh, preservation. And I think the first one to start with is dehydration. Um, Dehydration is just something we've kind of fallen in love with. We, uh, We do it a lot with everything. There's You know, obviously, you know, we do a lot of jerky and, you know, we do a lot with the meat, but as far as everything in the garden, pretty much everything is is getting thrown into our Excalibur dehydrator, uh, these days, everything from, you know, we make a lot of tomato chips or, you know, sun-dried tomatoes, if you want to call them that. We also make, you know, a lot of chips with, you know, sweet onions and, uh, you know, a lot of powders. Everything from kale powders, beet green powders, you know everything green, collards, you name it, and then uh you know we make a lot of berries, dried berries, we'll make powders out of that, so um that's kind of what we enjoy doing, and we run those Excaliburs, i mean a lot they uh they're always cooking, so
0: yeah we we were fortunate enough to uh, ha- we've had one dehydrator for quite a while. And then we were fortunate enough to get two dehydrators. And so we have those running in the garage pretty much consistently um, while we're we're doing up all these foods. <clears throat> and what I love about dehydration is that it's so simple. It really only requires the preparation of the food prior to laying it on the trays. It does get a little more complicated, right, when you're doing your backcountry meals and you have to actually make a full meal and right. then lay it on the tray. But even from that point, it's just so simple um, as compared to some of the other preservation methods that do take some education and time. It can take all day. I mean,
1: yeah, dehydration, panting. you
0: can leave the house, you know, you can put it in and leave the house if you need yeah.
1: to. Yeah. And we should talk about that, like as far as the, uh, the actual method or the actual um, dehydrator that we're using allows us to do that, which is really nice because, uh, you know, certain Dehydrators don't have the option to set a timer. Um, the Excalibur that we use, it's, it's really got everything you need. It's got that timer. So you can set it for two hours, four hours. You can set the temperature, which is perfect when you're dealing with, uh, you know, vegetables, everything from vegetables to meat um, or a meal where you want to crank it up pretty hot. Uh, but you can dump this thing down to a really low, slow dehydration and um uh, and then crank it all the way up. I think the new ones are at like one sixty. I think they go up to about one sixty, so which is great that works uh works really well when you're doing meats and fishes and, um, you know the meals that we do for uh for our hunts
0: yeah, it the two things that I think are the most important are definitely the time the time and the temperature and if you have a dehydrator, like we have one of those older dehydrators around ones, and there's no time timer or temperature on it and you just kind of was there a temperature on it i don't know it's like one consistent temperature it's on or off and then you put it on there and it just kind of runs and then it just runs until you turn it off well the problem is with that and like i experienced this last week i tried some of our hubbard squash i dehydrated it and i didn't i don't think i cut it thin enough so the pieces were thick when you ate them But I also overdid them. So I thought they were thick. So I turned it up too high and I let them go too long. And it it was easier to do that, I think, in that other dehydrator because you could forget about it and it would just keep running. Yeah. Whereas now you can. And let's
1: face it, we all got busy lives. So if you can, at the end of the day, before you go to sleep, load up the racks and set a timer for four hours, five hours, uh, not have to wake up, set an alarm and wake up in the middle of the night and come check your stuff that's pretty nice. It just shuts off on you. And, um, and you come pull the racks in the morning as well as in the morning. You know, if you have time to throw a bunch of kale on there, just set it for two hours and, you know, go to work. Mm-hmm. And then and, come. Back. And
0: you can do some of your, like this summer I did some herbs. I did a lot of herbs in the hot house. If you have a spot that's really hot, it gets, doesn't maybe get super direct sunlight. has a lot of um, <clears throat> heat in it. The one thing we have here is we do have some humidity. So you can't, really there's some things you just it's really hard to dry per se um but we had a pretty hot summer so I would say some things you can dry um if it's warm enough to do that and then of course if it's too warm too you'll scorch everything and you can't put it in direct sun so the nice thing about the dehydrator is it it evens out that it evens that out and it's not putting something in the scorching sun and you know it's got humidity control in it so you know, that's, I think, the nicest thing about investing in an Excalibur or a dehydrator. We use the Excalibur yeah, because it's affordable and there. it has those gauges on it.
1: Yeah, there's probably a bunch of them out there. I see some fancy digital ones out there now that that uh, probably do real similar. But um, we just kind of like the ones that we've always used, and they work really well for us. Yep. So, um, But one of my favorites is the powders. Um, yeah. For some reason, I think more people ask about the powders. Um, And it's kind of hard to answer because it's so dang simple to do. Um, don't really even think about it. You know, as far as greens go, you know, we just like throwing greens in there. All you got to do is rinse them off and, um, toss them in, dry them, throw them in a little Nutribullet, which is something we use a ton of here. Um, it's got a couple different blades on it and that is just your blender and it grinds it to a powder, dump it in a Mason jar and you're good to go. And, um, you know. As far as when you're doing greens, you could pull forty, fifty stocks and get those, like say kale or collards, mm-hmm. get those in the dehydrator, and then um, when you go to powder it, man, you don't you don't end up with but maybe a half inch on the bottom of the of the bullet of the cup. So that right there tells you um, it is ridiculously concentrated. So when you're making a smoothie or a shake or whatever you you know or pancakes in the morning, you want to throw some of that green powder in there you don't have to put a whole lot in it it uh it really does go a long way so you know when you get you get a few you know quart jars or pints or whatever you're using filled to the brim with uh with green powder you're set for a while so
0: yeah my favorite powder i think this summer is the dill powder you yeah. had a lot of dill this year. It kind of, it just like reseeded itself all over.
1: Yeah, what's well, crazy? Uh, Cause I grew, I grew it. some dills specifically, but I didn't mean to grow as much as I did. Cause I had a lot of stuff that, yeah, it just naturally reseeded from last year in one of my boxes and I just let it go wild. And um, yeah, it was like, it was way more dill than I needed. So we, you know, obviously used some of it fresh. When we made a bunch of pickled stuff, uh, pickled beans and and whatnot. But we also, you know, so that it didn't go to waste, I just dehydrated it. and uh,
0: It smells so good. When you take that lid off, I just like to stick my face in it and smell it. It smells like, uh, that smells like a million dill pickles. Yeah. That's by far, it's vibrant green so pretty, um, and,
1: yeah, and if you there's a ton
0: of it. We'll be eating that for a while.
1: If you live up here in the Pacific Northwest, you probably eat a lot of salmon, eat a lot of yeah. fish. There is probably nothing better than there's a certain way you can make <laughs> fish, and it's not a healthy way, but I'm a big fan. Um, it's what I used to run you know, when I used to cook my uh, clients' lunches um, when I was guiding, and I would use just some mayonnaise and, and dill. Makes a pretty good amount of dill in with the mayonnaise and just, you know, slather that salmon fillet Mm -hmm. with that. So it leaves a big white coating on there. Sounds horrible, but it is honestly one of the best. We don't eat mayonnaise, but I'll eat fish with mayonnaise on it. Um, And it's really, really good. And I don't think I ever met a client that didn't like it, but uh, that's a great way to use up a lot of dill.
0: Yeah, I totally despise mayonnaise. And when I first saw that recipe, I was like, oh, gross. It is very good, <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> it makes you like dill and mayonnaise, yeah, and then there's that just when when you're making the fish jerky and the dill you know dehydrating the dill with the fish jerky, it's like yeah. the best it's not one of the best smells, but it's a really it's it's kind of a smell like bacon to me, it just has that good good smell of like fresh food, but yeah. And, and then I think the other powders that I really like are the berry powders. And we just, Ryan, this year we get so many raspberries because we have multiple raspberry um, areas in our yard. We've moved, we had a huge patch in the back when we moved in 20 years ago and we've just kind of moved them around. So we get so many raspberries. It's ridiculous. This year, Ryan, just like, what, what do we do with all these raspberries? Because we usually freeze them and we don't even end up eating them all before the next raspberry season comes around. So. Um, Ryan dehydrated them. Oh my gosh, they're like eating candy. They're so good. And they, you know, raspberries are a little bit sour. It takes out that little bit of that. It gives it a little bit of tang, but makes it more sweet. And then, you know, if you don't like seeds in the raspberries,
1: yeah, and that it was makes the it thing. easier to eat. A lot of people really don't like seeds. You know, we we put a bunch of them in the, in our smoothies, but I can't get the girls to put that many raspberries they prefer blueberries simply because there's so many seeds in a raspberry well one quick fix to that is pulverize the seeds so you have to dehydrate the berries pulverize everything and uh bam you got no seeds everything is a nice fine powder
0: as far as powders go the raspberries pretty cool when you blend it up from those
1: yeah that and blackberries too yeah um, yep. it's really good again in smoothies which is Something we eat a heck of a lot more of in the winter. We make a lot more smoothies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I honestly don't do a whole lot in the summer because there's just so much fresh food um, going around. You know, we got fresh meat coming in. we got fresh garden vegetables. But in the winter, um, you know, if you want to get your greens, really, really easy to toss a, you know, a couple teaspoons of green powder in your smoothie. Um, because we don't get a whole lot of fresh vegetables in the winter. We get none. So mm-hmm. uh, we don't need a whole lot of salads. But you do get really good amount of greens just by using that powder. So
0: Yeah, and a lot of the green powders that you buy or even the red powders that you buy, they're kind of expensive. And, you know, they might be freeze-dried, which is we won't get into the difference here, but or which will make them a little more expensive, or they've got herbs and, you know, exotic things in them. But honestly, if you read the back of them, it's, you know, all the greens, like there's berries in there, uh, coconut, you know, you can buy all these things, even if you don't grow them, you can dehydrate them and then you can make your own powder. Um, and it's pretty cool. I, yeah. I'm, I'm sold on it for sure. And, and it's a great way to hide stuff from your kids.
1: Yeah. We almost <laughs> need a, a third dehydrator at this point. Um, what's pretty cool when you have kids is, uh, I've got Paley now able to go out you know pick the kale wash the kale load up the trays she can figure out the settings set the set the timer set the temp and then you know once it's dry uh, pull it off and and crunch it down so it's just ready for me to powder which is really nice that takes a massive amount of work away from me and um, it's pretty cool she's at that age where she can uh, add another chore to her list and Help well tonight you guys
0: prep. tonight you guys sliced apples and pears, and she was running them in and out to the dehydrator and yeah, those are the best the pears <laughs> we have pear tree and it's made some awesome pears this year for sure,
1: yeah, we're at that time, you know all the apples are popping out there and the pears and um and of course that's we're going out hunting, so it's a great time to you know make up a bunch of Apples and dehydrated pears and banana chips and all that kind of stuff, Um, plums, everything that I like to take into the backcountry or just on a hunt or just even driving for snacks. Um, Real easy to do and toss them in a bag or a mason jar and and take them with you when you're driving. It's great. And yeah, we kind of ripped the last of our pears off the pear tree and just got them all done up. And we got a lot this year. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of bags. So
0: yeah. Yeah, they're pretty good. I've even had Peely's tutor and can can I buy you pears and have you dehydrate them for me cuz the kids literally fight over those pear snacks you put in Tana's lunch. You know, they're just so good and and uh, so I think that dehydration the one thing dehydration does do is it concentrates the sugars, right? So it's pulling yeah. the water out and it's concentrating the sugars. The so you know, one you, thing
1: about pears is I'm not a big pear fan. I mean, you'll never see me just eating a pear. But when you coffee <laughs> dehy-
0: pear in your beard,
1: <laughs> when you dehydrate it, it's it's on a different level. It's good.
0: Yeah. Well, it concentrates those sugars. So I guess there is a fine line with dehydrated food of how much dehydrated food you probably want to eat, like in one setting, because you are yeah. getting more sugar, um, even in vegetables or something. You know, it's con it's pulling the waters out and it's giving you more of the concentrated nutrients and sugars. So with fruit. You probably don't want to eat a ton of dehydrated fruit. It would be like eating dried fruit all day long. It's probably not good. Yeah. But And,
1: and honestly, what, what I do with it is I'll take some, you know, for the trips. And I just, I just do little bags. I mean, just like half a Ziploc bag, but I'm vacuum packing yeah. it. And that's going in my pack. And I just have one a day. And I usually have it after my dinner. And that's just kind of the treat I look forward to at the end of the day. That's my dessert. And uh, it's usually pears. I yeah. kick out the apples. They're not nearly as good, but those <laughs> pears are good.
0: Now, we do have... We do... We have made some leathers, and I know we've gotten questions about that kind of stuff. And honestly, I don't find us... We don't really make a lot of leathers. I've tried a couple of leathers. I tried a chocolate one, which was really good. Um, but I don't know. I kind of just prefer putting the whole f- fruit on there and just making it and eating it that way. Yeah. Because... When you make a leather, it's like you have to take the ingredients and you have to blend it. You have to spread it on parchment paper. You have to make sure it's done just right. Sometimes you have to turn it. Um, it's a lot more work. Yeah, and- I don't. I don't
1: really see the point in making a leather when you can just dehydrate yeah. the, the fruit itself. And I eat almost it. feel
0: like you probably eat more sugar when you eat a leather because the leather's thin and you just like chomp down on this. This whole thing of leather, that's a lot of fruit on one tray.
1: But this is one thing that is good, and it is worth the work, and that's um, sweet potatoes. Sweet potato leather, or, you know, you can make them into chips if you just dehydrate them a little more. Um, I had a massive amount of bell peppers this year, so one of the easiest recipes, and we'll have this in our book. um, You know, it's the – all I do is I just, you know – throw some sweet potatoes in the oven cook them down get them get them nice and soft and i just pulverize some of the green bell peppers and um you know i i take that i put it in a bowl um you know blend it up in the bullet and then i take that it's like a paste and i spread that out on parchment paper on the dehydrator and you can do it really thick i mean you know an eighth to a quarter inch or so thickness and you know, the thicker you get, you can make it into a chewy, you know, leathery sweet potato, or you can just make chips and, um, you know, put it on pretty thin and then just kind of break them to pieces. And man, that it sounds, maybe it doesn't sound that appealing, but it's, uh, it's really good. It's got a really good flavor to it, but that's one of the things that, uh, that I'll actually take the time and make, go through the motions and, uh, you know, take all those steps and make an actual yeah, leather
0: unfortunately we cannot grow sweet potatoes <laughs> it's the one thing that we yeah. cannot grow here uh, and i wish we could because they're so good i would prefer to eat sweet potatoes over you know even the potatoes that we grow but we just can't grow them. so we do have to buy sweet potatoes to make that to make that recipe honestly we don't buy a lot of the foods that we make we we're harvesting them out of our garden but there are a few things we can't do. Coconut, can't buy coconuts, can't buy sweet... I mean, we can't grow coconuts, we can't grow sweet potatoes. Uh, but that's okay. I mean, I think most of you out there probably don't have big gardens like we do, and hot houses full of tomatoes and all this stuff. So you're going to be buying maybe this stuff at the store. Um, of Hopefully course a lot
1: of people have gardens. I
0: No, I know a lot, a lot of, people of people do. I watch people on Instagram, but, yeah. you know, maybe... Maybe not to the level well, there's that we just, do. You know, you
1: just try to keep it at a minimum. You know, you want to buy as little as possible. Obviously, there's a few things out there like a sweet potato or a coconut that, yeah, we'll break down. We'll buy those. But um, definitely, if I could grow them, I would. We just don't have a lot. We enough just season.
0: need a piece of property in Hawaii now. We make it grow avocados, and we could live there half the year. We could live here half the year, right? You could hunt axis deer, and then you
1: could, okay, yeah. Then yeah, you we do need hunt mule deer. Hawaii, actually.
0: Yeah, we I've been do. To
1: chase those axis deer, We <laughs> got so close to going on that trip last year.
0: Uh, <laughs> you know, I really like Hawaii, but it is kind of far away from every everything. Um, but wow, it's just so the climate for growing stuff is pretty amazing.
1: Oh, you could just bum oh around gosh. eating fruit. Oh, trees, yeah. Walk my, around. I have friends who live there.
0: And Ryan went pig hunting in Hawaii when we were there with a local. Didn't get any pigs, I but he came say, home with. I
1: wouldn't say we went pig hunting. We went walking through the woods. Yeah. Um, I didn't even have a weapon. Um, <laughs> he was going we, we walked through the woods on. for, I don't know, a couple hours. And really all we did was go from, like, we were picking oranges and picking every single thing you can imagine there's just fruit everywhere so
0: yeah he came home with no pig and a whole bag full of fruit and he's (laughs) like no wonder these pigs are so huge they just eating eating this fruit fruit all day long and so yeah yeah, Hawaii is like the perfect climate for growing yeah growing stuff but yeah no sweet potatoes but that is one of our favorite things to make um I think the equipment also for dehydration is super simple. You need a dehydrator. You can't really get around that unless you have the perfect climate and you can dry things, you know, yeah. with plain air out there. But a dehydrator is essential. And then you need some parchment paper, maybe for some of your recipes. Um,
1: yeah, if you're making meals, something that's wetter, like a chili, um, spaghetti, something saucy, yeah, definitely some parchment paper. I think the one expense is other than the dehydrator, is uh, something we, we uh, broke down and got, and that is a slicer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that thing is incredible. It makes your life so easy when you can just, you can grind up 20 pairs in minutes and, mm-hmm. and just go through them like crazy. If you're having to individually slice through all those pairs with a really sharp knife, it's going to take you a long time. And they're never going to be uniform. So the dehydration yeah. time is gonna vary. You're gonna to have to pluck some of the slices off and let some of them stay longer. so when you have the ability to have like perfect slices, it's just and and with jerky as well. We mm-hmm. use the crud out of that thing for jerky. it just makes everything uniform and super quick and easy so
0: yeah and is
1: there is a little expense there though yeah. um you know they're 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 a little bit spendy, but in the long run i you know I plan on having this thing forever so how much is a packet of jerky
0: at the store they're not cheap like good healthy jerky i feel is like five bucks a bag right
1: oh or six seven bucks a
0: bag for healthy jerky i'd mm. say
1: for a good clean meat um, without all the junk and stuff yeah you're probably spending a pretty penny to get some of that yeah
0: i think i think the upfront cost can be a little intimidating when you start you know if you're some people aren't challenged by that we've just collected things over the years right we we had a dehydrator and then we were fortunate enough to have somebody give us a second dehydrator um and as a gift and you know and we ryan's bought a slicer he's bought the meat grinder you know over the years it wasn't like we bought them all at once we were doing a lot of stuff by like old school ways for a long time but now you just kind of grow it, and then you get a slicer, and you're like, why did I not buy a slicer, like, 20 years ago? This is amazing, you know? Yeah. Um. So, there are some of those things. But then you're looking at, like, maybe you need a vacuum packer. We have a small um food saver. Yeah,
1: but I never use it. For, like, it.
0: apples or pears, <laughs> maybe, in the back country, or if you're going to vacuum pack your dehydrated meals. Yeah. For, for weight Well, issues. we're spoiled rotten,
1: because with my business, we have a big commercial vacuum packer, so... Um, oh yeah, I can crank out you know, let's see, twelve bags at a time, if I want. But yeah, we also do have just a household um, little backpack thing that I use sometimes. Food saver. Yeah, it's not not as much, but
0: yeah, that are like uh, Ziploc bags, or we just use mason jars with lids on them. So yeah. we store most of our dehydrated single foods and mixes powders. They're all in mason jars with lids. Yeah. In like the say,
1: cabinet. you know, like if you do a bunch of mushrooms, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing some, uh, oh, cauliflower mushrooms or oysters or, you know, there's a variety. Morels are really good, um, dehydrated. Um, you kind of have to pick and choose which ones work and which ones don't. Uh, those work well in just a jar, you know, with a lid on it mm-hmm. and a minimum amount, minimal amount of air. And then also we do a lot of sun dried tomatoes and, um, whatnot those are something that we just toss in the <laughs> we jars.
0: try to like get them in the jar but they're so good that when you start eating them yeah. right on the dehydrator you just can't stop yeah and then kind of speaking about the mushrooms too is you know we have i think my favorite mushroom is probably the chanterelle this time of year it's chantelle season and so we will be going out more mushroom hunting and yeah and collecting it's been a them. really bad it's been hot run this so
1: far but it's we're gonna get it here shortly it's yeah. um just didn't have any moisture all summer long, so we've had some rains of late, but, um, yeah, yeah, just getting that moisture. And but when we get them,
0: we usually hit jackpots, and we come on with so many of them that we can't even really eat them all in a week, you know. we um, So we dehydrate them. I don't know if chanterelles are my favorite dehydrated, though. No. They don't rehydrate very well. You really have to cook them in, like, a soup or stew. You know, they're they're hard. It's easier for morel, I, I feel like, to hydrate a morel.
1: Yeah, I, I, never, I never am a huge fan of dehydrated chanterelles. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of different ways, and I've tried them all, um, cooking them down and um, backpacking them and, and all that. But they always tend to be a little rubbery after you rehydrate them or when you go to cook them again. So I think chanterelles are best fresh. Morels, on the other hand, you can get those rehydrated really, really well. Mm-hmm. They have a g- great flavor after the fact. Um, a lot of the coral mushrooms, cauliflower mushrooms, oysters, uh, those are, those are all really good to dehydrated as well. had really good luck with those.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, funny. We call, we call mushrooms in general, we call them fairy food, uh, mainly because we have gone hiking in an area by our house since our older daughter was little, Haley was little. Since Haley was little, Uh, we call them the fairy woods and we go there and we hike around and uh fairy hunt
1: yep yeah find
0: chanterelles
1: we go in and you know pacific northwest again it's moss covered old growth and uh kind of where we find the chanterelles up in those ferns it just kind of looks like fairy woods and Paley's always Mm -hmm. had all these ideas of you know she finds these little uh these little cones and they look like Sleeping, we've always called them sleeping bags for yeah. fairies. So yeah, she uh, she started that off. So it's always going to the fairy woods and we go chanterelle hunting.
0: Mm-hmm. So the chanterelles are like little golden nuggets out there. So we call them fairy food. Uh, it's it's kind of sweet. Nothing like a fresh chanterelle, though. Mushrooms are really fresh. That's that's the way to go. And dehydration is for when you just can't eat them and you need to keep them because they're too precious to not to let them spoil. Yeah, i
1: think the best combo food or to what what you should combo chanterelles with is elk Mm -hmm. i mean it's elk season usually you get fresh elk coming in and you're you have the ability to pick a bunch of chanterelles to go with it that's Mm -hmm. uh man that's good that's like a match made in heaven
0: yeah and then we eat our morels in the spring with uh bear yeah and the morels are really good they're super meaty and and uh I love the morels too but the chanterelles just have that buttery bea- beauty to them But um buttery yeah beauty buttery, buttery beauty, beauty.
1: <laughs> I never yeah I never thought of them like buttery beauty
0: <laughs> Oh I don't know I probably have just taken so many pictures of chanterelles it's like oh uh, cooking chanterelles Anyways so I think uh I I definitely know that dehydration is not hard to do. And even if you just want to get one thing, like pick one of your foods that you like and start with that, dehydrate that and see how it is. You know, a lot of people start with banana chips. Yeah, um, they Another good one. They, you know, because you can buy a bunch of bananas at once, right? So you can do at least a few trays of banana chips and try it out. And um, I think they're excellent. You know, I like them as well. They're a little sweet, but, you know, start with something like that. And see if you like it. And then, you know, move up to maybe making your meals and doing your dehydrated backcountry stuff like Ryan does. But,
1: well, yeah, it's no, pretty there's, simple. There's not like there's this big learning curve with dehydrating. It's really, really simple. The making of the meals, obviously, like spaghetti sauce and dishes that you enjoy, um, <clears throat> curry dishes or chilies, stews, you name it. Um, you, that's, you know, that's the hardest part. The actual just, fanning it out on some parchment paper and setting a dial is really easy. Anybody could do it. It's super simple. It's not, it shouldn't be intimidating at all. And it really does allow you to, you know, jack up your, your game as far as food goes in the mountains. If you're a hunter, um, that is, uh, that's helped me a ton. It's helping a lot of people. I think, uh, you mm-hmm. know, they get to pick out what meal they want to eat instead of having to go stand at, uh, REI and look at what mountain house is serving there. Or- backpackers pantry or all the others. and um, Yeah, it's definitely a, a great way to go. I think a lot of people are catching on to it and finding out that it's super super easy.
0: Yeah, Well, we we use it every day in our house right now. This time of year, it's I, I, I have complained to Ryan once in a while that I wish we were just a normal family that went on vacations like we go to the lake and we go jet skiing and we don't have we literally have you know we have a small piece of property, but we have like a farm, we have chickens we have that have to be taken care of. We have a garden that this summer you couldn't leave it. it was too hot uh and then when the food starts coming out, it is literally constant food harvesting and doing something with it you You can't like Ryan can leave and go hunting, but if somebody's not here. Or if I need to leave for a week and go somewhere, like somebody has to be here. Um, and it's this time of year, you would think, oh, well, yeah, the dog and the cat and all that. It's it's the garden. You cannot leave the garden because you're gone a couple days. There will be so much food when you get back um, or it'll be burnt or, you know, so it, it's sometimes this whole idea of having this lifestyle. It's awesome. We're used to it. It's our life. Unfortunately, we're not super uh social i would like to be more social than we yeah. are uh, i've you always complained have, about that you can
1: have the, the jet ski and the lake and all that just, just you know what i mean like just go street. on a
0: vacation somewhere <laughs> where we're not thinking about oh is the garden watered and you know oh, I, yeah. I think about that people that have like small farms you know these small farmers organic farmers like yeah. they they can't that is a 365 day year job like <laughs> No, well, maybe the winner. So the winner, you, you you're not lose, doing it. You but... can lose
1: 12 hours in a day so fast if you're canning. Um, yeah, You know, every batch of spaghetti sauce, you, you know, there's another, who knows how many minutes it, it truly takes. We should time that sometime. But to say if you're canning meat, you know, there's 90 minutes right there if you're doing corn yeah. jars of just actual canning time sitting on the... In a can or so. Well,
0: not even just the canning. Think about...
1: It's the prep work. And the, the harvesting. The harvesting. Okay.
0: If, if Ryan's going to do elk meat, what does that entail? That entails Ryan preparing for an elk hunt. That has Ryan driving to his place. That has Ryan hiking dozens and dozens of miles. That means if he's lucky enough to succeed at getting an animal, he's now packing it out. You know, this last elk was days of packing out. He gets home. And then it's days of cleaning meat, prepping meat. And then after that, and, and vacuum packing and hamburger. I came home one night to like a hamburger explosion in my kitchen because he had the grinder out and it's just like, it's craziness. And then, and then after that, you're going to can it, possibly. I mean, it is like, we're talking, it could be weeks of solid work like you have no job you just sit here and you do meat and that's not including your vegetables that's not including your spices that's not including your fruits so it is um for us it's become really a labor of love and it's part of our lifestyle and and now we couldn't imagine like what would it be like to have to be go to the store i still go to the store and buy stuff you know this time of year i buy spinach and i do that we don't grow that you know it's But I rarely buy vegetables. I rarely buy fruit. Um, And even now we're getting to the point in the winter, we're barely buying that stuff either. Mm -hmm. Right? And so now we love it. And we're used to it. We know we feel better. When I eat out, I feel horrible. It's just a lot of
1: work. Um, But it is a
0: lot of work.
1: You can't hide the fact that it takes a lot of time to do it. So. Don't so just start with banana and slices
0: not. and you'll be good. Like just no. start slow. <laughs> now it's the meat. The
1: meat processing takes a lot of work. If you're doing it by yourself, you know, there's just a lot of time spent grinding. And if you decide to make some sausages or make some different things like that, yeah, it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just grinding it, grinding it twice. If you're going to add some, some clean fat to it, or you're going to, you know, add some spices. And um, I, this year, you know, I, I, I mixed it up. I like to mix it up and try new little spice recipes into the burger and, uh, you know, just flavor it up a little bit in different ways. And then, yeah, I canned a bunch of elk meat as well. So, um, and there again, you can get creative with how you can all the meat, you know, you don't just have to add, or you don't just, you know, have to do it one way, which is, you know, most people just add a little bit of salt and that's it. And then, uh, um, you know, you can also add, so you can add pepper, you can add, you know, uh, strips of hot peppers. You can make it spicy, you know, mix it up. Even with the canning, you know, you can add, you don't just have to add salt. You can also do different things. You can add like a lemon pepper or some garlic or onion uh, powder, or, you know, you can, um, dice up a bunch of green peppers and have that in there and, you know, kind of make a, um, almost a gravy like um, dish with it and just have it kind of stewing in the jar. There's all kinds of different things you can do when you're canning meat. So it doesn't have to be just one way. And, um, you know, it is nice to have a little variety. And so I try to get a lot of variety in the steaks that I cut, um, and then different ways to doing burger, a little bit of sausage and, and yeah, the canning. And so, yeah, it takes up a lot of time, but it's so well worth it in the, in the off season when you get a, chew that stuff up and, you know, pull something new out every once in a while. So, uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I really do. I I could never imagine going back to, you know, what I used to do way back. And that's, we used to cut the steaks off and then just bring it to the butcher and have them grind a burger. And, um, I don't know. I always had this little, yeah, something I didn't like about doing that, whether it was cause I wasn't positive, I was getting my own meat back or I just wasn't sure that they were to take care of it like i would um, when i do it myself i know exactly what's in it and, and uh how it's been handled so
0: yeah we we have saved a lot of money too over the years just doing it ourselves it's yeah, the absolutely. time right a lot of people it's the trade-off what's you what's what's your trade-off for time versus money right For us, Ryan enjoys that time. (laughs) A lot of people don't. They don't want to do it. Uh, I would say, it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's just that, you know, Ryan really, that's his thing, you know. Like, I'd love to tell the story of when I I had this job where I traveled a lot. and I'd be on the East Coast or something at a dinner on a Friday night with business clients. And I'd get a text from him and it'd just be a picture of, like, twenty jars of canned potatoes (laughs) i'd be like honey you need to get a life like this is a friday night you're at home canning potatoes and he loves it you know that's it's like a meditation for him Um, probably like solo hunting you know he enjoys the challenge and he's very patient with it you know it does take time especially the canning which we'll probably get into next here is is uh
1: yeah that takes
0: a whole lot more patience
1: Yeah, let's get into the canning. Let's Um, do it. Let's talk about the equipment first, maybe. I think, uh, you know, there's a little bit more involved with the canning um, from, you know, what you're putting your food into as far as mason jars and sizes. And um, there's definitely some guidelines that you have to follow. You really do want to get, um, you know, uh, either something you can kind of follow exactly as far as times weights um that you're using with your pressure canner um if you're in altitude you want to change things up a little bit as far as timing um there is a lot to it and uh to be perfectly safe you want to follow those guidelines because you do not want to get uh, people used to die you know back in the day when things were not canned properly uh botulism was a big deal and uh, mm-hmm. so you know, things you just definitely want to avoid. So there's, you know, basically there's two ways of going about canning. You can do a water bath, which is real simple and real effective. If you're doing certain type foods, it's something that we do like, um, you know, say if I'm just making some jelly or jams or, um, one of the dishes I make a lot of, uh, is, uh, jalapeno garlic jelly. And that is what I use for meat and canned food, canned meat. And it's really, really good. Um, but I would not want to make all that if I had to actually run it through a pressure can or it's just a lot more time. So when you water bathe it it's it's super simple and it's faster.
0: Um and what what are some of the foods what's the quality is is the, the acidic content of these foods that you can yeah. just water bathe versus
1: Yeah, typically to the rule of thumb. Yeah. Um like say spaghetti sauce um that you add a bunch of things to. Like say uh, if you add a lot of peppers and a lot of, you know, onions and, and whatnot, um, you got to keep that uh, that acidity right. So uh, if you do that, you may have to add lemon juice to keep the acidity up. But I just, I do all my spaghetti sauce in a canner. Um, I think that's probably what's recommended. I think it's safer, um, you know, in a pressure canner.
0: Yeah, you're pressure cooking it.
1: And you know, yeah. I'll do spaghetti sauce as well. Um, sometimes where I add I have the meat already added into it. And anything that's got meat involved, you have to pressure can it. You do not want to water bathe it. Um there's certain things that you don't. Say, you know, if you're pickling certain things, um beets or onions or um beans or you know, whatever, um, perfectly okay to just water bathe it. You know, you're putting it in a Vinegar solution or a you know apple cider uh, solution, then the acidity is up and and you're you're perfectly safe. And so you can you can crank out a lot. You know if you have your product, you only have to put it in a 10 minute water bath. It's it's real fast and quick and simple. But um, yeah, I've got I've got a couple different things. I've got one big pot that I use for the water bath, and then I've got one actual pressure canner that I use for all the sauces and all the meat and um, I, uh, I've gone to, there's a company that, that makes them. It's the, uh, the All-American uh, model, and it is probably one of the best canners on the market. I think is awesome. It's super solid. The latches, everything, the dial, uh, the pressure gauge, uh, all there's solid. There's no
0: plastic pieces on this thing. Right. Let's put it that way.
1: Right. No plastic. And
0: there's a reason for that. You want to tell that story? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Why do we have the all-American pressure canner?
1: Oh uh, yeah, sure. Well, back in the back in the day, I was here. I was home alone doing what I do, just <laughs> hanging out in the kitchen making His stuff. His
0: favorite thing to be home alone.
1: Yeah, and um,
0: yeah, I think Peely was just I little. Was, so we I, didn't even hardly have kids. Yeah,
1: See, I, I was so I was making a bunch of spaghetti sauce, and I had done up I don't know like seven quarts I think is what I could get in that that old pressure canner and um you know one of the things that you really have to pay attention to when you're canning is there's a little pressure valve release valve you got to make sure that that hole is clear where the steam comes out um that's where you put your weight on well apparently um you know with the old canner i couldn't really get a clear view of it and it it obviously was plugged because so i got everything set on there And uh, I had eaten, I think I was eating spaghetti, (laughs) making Uh spaghetti sauce, eating spaghetti. And so I had eaten it just standing right there by the stove. And this thing is obviously gaining some pressure, gaining some steam. And so I I walked into the living room and all of a sudden it sounded like I had a jet airplane (laughs) in my kitchen. (laughs) It was like a bomb of steam went off (laughs) and um, it depressurized everything inside the canner so that lent everything to come out through the top it blew there's a there's a safety um release little thing plastic thing i don't know what you call it on canners in case all else fails you know and it doesn't just blow you know and send shrapnel everywhere it it releases out that well that thing blew out and so i don't know it's like a half inch hole maybe a little less (laughs) And so everything came out, went straight up to the ceiling and there was, um, it was raining pink spaghetti sauce in my kitchen everywhere. I could not get to my stove to turn it off by one way. Cause it was pouring, you know, stuff so off, the, off the ceiling. So I had to go and crawl around the other side and reach my hand up, kind of just guessing where the dial was. Cause my whole kitchen was nothing but steam and, um, and hot water coming off the ceiling. And so, yeah, I, Turned it off and hung out and waited for it to depressurize a little bit more. Yeah, my whole kitchen was loaded with pink spaghetti sauce from <laughs> top to bottom. So I spent the rest of that night uh, trying to get it off the ceiling and everywhere else. And the worst part is I lost seven cans of spaghetti sauce.
0: Oh, my gosh. Because it takes a long time to make seven cans of spaghetti sauce. It takes Yeah, seven quarts. That's
1: a, that's a cooking lot. Cooking it
0: down and peeling this tomatoes yeah. and...
1: Yeah, it was All a mess. I was pretty doing. bummed out about it. So, um, yeah, I just didn't like the design of that thing, and so I uh, I went and got the the best pressure canner I could, and that was that All American. So it's it's just I've had no issues with it. Real simple, mm-hmm. real strong. Um, not going to have any any little pieces break on you. So that's yeah. what I've gone to. It's definitely
0: worth it to get to pay a little bit more for that if you're going to be canning a lot, just safety, <laughs> safety well, alone. And
1: yeah. And you know, it was partly my fault. Cause I didn't make sure that that little valve was clear, you right. know, but I couldn't, I couldn't see in there. So I don't know. It was one of those deals. It, it was a pretty funny thing that happened. But
0: <laughs> All right. So we have our all American pressure cooker. Oh. What else do we need for canning?
1: So, there's a few things. You know, you need some tongs to be able to lift the jars out, put them in, lift them out.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: they have kits out there, honestly. They're yeah, really
0: cheap. We, we'll put one on our website. We have, I have a canning kit on there with jars and
1: Yeah, I mean, all you got stuff. like a, a funnel, so you can just kind of slop spaghetti sauce into your mason jars and yeah. not get it all over the rim. So, there's just a few pieces like that. Your most important is obviously the jars, uh, the lids, and the bands. Um, I try to reuse bands a lot, so I'll can something and I'll just pop those bands off and reuse them so I don't have to always buy new bands. But um, the lids themselves, I always run new lids when I'm canning because uh, you know, I don't want any mishaps and I don't want something to not seal right and then me find out about it later when it's in the pantry. So,
0: Yeah, and I guess we got to remember that canning originally started because they didn't have refrigeration. Right. They're preserving food um, for uh, longer so that that it didn't have to be refrigerated. Um, And that meant that they they had you have to have that lid seal and that's going to keep microorganisms from growing in there. Right. And so that's that's really important. And those lids have to be uh, most of the recipes that I've seen say you just need new lids every time you do it because there could be imperfections and stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah you might
1: get, you know, you can pop those lids off without getting a wrinkle, but I don't even risk it. I just get new lids. Um, cause you'll get little dings and we use Mason jars for everything here. Uh, we, we have
0: more lids and bands in this house than anything. Yeah. They are everywhere and they're kind of like markers in my life kids markers i somehow put them back and then they end up all over the place and i find markers everywhere i feel like that is mason jar lids and bands (laughs) like every drawer every place i look there's at least one if not 20 yeah i think it's
1: um i think when people come over here we're all drinking out of mason jars i think they find it a little weird but we're so used to it i don't know just seems normal but i think uh, most people have glasses they drink out of
0: they do and i see those glasses when i go shopping you know we just got a new kitchen because our kitchen exploded a few months ago and i you know when you get a new kitchen you kind of want to redo some things and i go shopping for dishes (laughs) and i see all these beautiful glasses like real glasses and i think to myself oh it'd be cool to have real glasses and then I can just hear Ryan going, "Why would you buy glasses when we have tons of mason jars?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I probably shouldn't buy it." And and then well, I guess I, it's kind of true, you I've know. Seen because I've some
1: pretty uh, sexy blue mason jars that we had a few of we those. We have some one sexy. Point, so. We
0: have like four of those left.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can some stuff in them. I think I this did. time I bought them for a party. We we had a you know we had one of those parties way back whenever that was i think it was july 4th and yeah. i bought a bunch of the blue ones but all fancy yeah but it's it's fine you know we we have a hodgepodge kitchen we have a hodgepodge life we actually have a fairly nice kitchen now it's like we don't know what to do with it <laughs> it's like for us it's a, it's a fancy we've And We're used to doing food prep, and when you eat a jar of food, so you've canned all this food, usually this time of year is when we're low on mason jars, right? We have enough to drink water and stuff out of, but come a month from now come three months from now come six months from now start
1: crawling out of you have to have
0: entire pantries full of mason jars because we're we've been eating that food um and so i think that's another thing to think about when you're doing this type of food prep is thinking about storage and thinking about where you're going to keep all these foods and if you've got cabinet space for all these foods and you know uh, that's one of our deals we we have right now a closet And by our front door is full of canned food. That's where we're keeping our canned food. And then we have a cabinet full of powders. And then we have another cabinet full of dehydrated, um, you know, tomatoes and onions and all those other things down there. So it does take storage space up. And those jars do take up space. And you need to have a cool place, you know, where they can sit. And so I think that's another thing to take into consideration. But I've seen most people's kitchens... And they're way bigger than ours with like lots of cabinets. So and huge pantries, big, beautiful pantries. So I think you'd be able to most people could probably find plenty of storage area. Um, or even out, you know, in the garage. If you live somewhere like we do, it doesn't really freeze here, you know. we probably could have a whole area out in the garage with just food. But but we don't. That's where the dehydrators live, and that's where all the actual, you know, equipment lives. And then, yeah, we like easy access. So, okay, so canning. Let's go over what are some of the bigger questions we get about canning. You talked about meat, right? Mm-hmm. You talked about canning meat. That's yeah, one big question. You know, we get. as far as
1: getting real specific, you know, we've got a little ebook coming out, so we'll actually go over the recipes. Exactly. Oh yeah, the ebook. Probably should talk about that. Yeah, so cuz we could spend all night just going could. over individual
0: recipes right now. We could. Um yes, we have the Stealthy the Stealthy Dehydration and Canning Guide. And you're probably listening to this podcast right now at the first week of October um on a Friday cuz it'll be a Food Friday. It's out. So if you're hearing this, you can go to our website at huntharvesthealth.com slash stealthy preservation guide. And you can see there what it is. And um, it's almost done. It's kind of like, you know, better late than never, but it's going to be, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. Like it's turned into quite a manuscript that we've been working on. And it's not like a manuscript, but there's a lot of um, pictures. There's going to be recipes. There's over 25 recipes, and then just because I love to just add more work to my plate is when I was we were doing this recipes. It was like, well, wouldn't it be cool to know about what these foods are doing for people? Like, what are the medicinal benefits of these foods? Because truthfully, that's really what this comes down to, right? Is having a relationship with the food that you're eating and understanding what it's doing for your body. Um, we know that if we don't eat we don't, we don't stay alive, right? So what are these healthy foods doing for our bodies? And what parts of our bodies are they helping and all that kind of stuff. So I did a um, healing foods library. So all the foods that are in the recipes that we have, or that we grow in our garden for these recipes, they're in that healing foods library. Unfortunately, I didn't do a healing foods library on every single food in our garden because, uh, that this book would not be coming out until next fall because we have a whole lot of other foods that we have in the garden that we don't you know we don't dehydrate necessarily or can we're eating them fresh throughout the season i i'm pretty excited about it it's our first real book together
1: we'll get better (laughs) about being timely with things like this because we are a little bit late you know i know gardens are wrapping up but there's still a lot I mean, we're still processing. Well, you can get
0: it and you can use it next year. You can, you can plan your garden in there. There's also the stealthy hunter guide, um, I'm garden map and you can go to our website right now and get that. That's on our garden tab. I made this little fancy picture PDF of everything we grew in the garden this year and how we grew it, you know, boxes or whatever. And I'll have that included in the guide. And, you know, you could plan for next year. You could plan if you're going to have a little garden. You know, what are you going to grow? And then think about food preservation. What are the foods that you like to eat throughout the year? And when you grow your garden, think about those foods, you know?
1: Yeah, there's um, everybody's got their own tastes. And they kind of know what they want, what they want to put up and, yeah, and all that. But, you know, in the beginning, <clears throat> I think I always grew way too much like uh, lettuce and carrots, you know. Kind of what everybody yeah. said when they think of a garden. But we would never even come close to eating all the carrots that I grew.
0: No, we were pulling carrots we, the, out of the ground in like Christmas time and stuff. And they, you know, not very yeah. good carrots, but. You end up tossing them to the chickens. But
1: yeah, and way too much lettuce. So now there's certain foods like onions. I just can't get enough onions and beets um, because of those two things we pickle. And they are they're just awesome. And salads and mm-hmm. um, just popping a jar open and, and eating them like they are. So there's certain foods that you know you'll over time figure out. Well, I need to grow way more of this and way less of this. Yeah. Um,
0: you you know, grew I, a ton of kohlrabi yeah. this year.
1: Yeah, I did. And
0: I, we have not even.
1: I went a little put a hog wild dent on the kohlrabi stuff out there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So there's some things too. Like I remember he used to grow a lot of radishes. I don't really like radishes, so really the only person who would be eating radishes was him.
1: Yeah. And, and what just, do you
0: do with radishes? You just eat them fresh right there, or in a salad, do, and right. and you have all these radishes, and they bolt really quick, and they don't work. So it's like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't plant so many radishes. You
1: well, know? The, I every year it's the same story. I only eat really eat the radishes when I'm weeding my garden. I just <laughs> eat them while I'm out there, and uh, and then they're gone, and then I plant something else in their spot but it's just one of those things that they grow really fast and then Ah. i can use utilize that space for something else a little later because i like to separate you know the plantings so i'll start a you know a a short row of kohlrabi you know and then you know two three four weeks later i'll grow another row in a spot that i've left saved or a spot where i've grown something like radishes that we harvested and then i'll utilize that for you know, it is nice to not have everything pop at once. So mm-hmm. space it out a little bit. Same thing yeah. with beets. Beets are really good to do that with.
0: Yeah. And so the the guide is, you know, you can use it for years to come. And we just we just wanted to put something together that kind of I guess a little bit of diary of what we did. And everything that's in there we made this summer. Well, so we've made else. some of these before, but we actually made all these recipes this summer. And most of them we made without a kitchen sink. So
1: yeah, there is. if nothing we can do
0: that, s- you can do it.
1: <laughs> There's nothing like super fancy about our recipes. It's just, you know, it's something if anybody wants to try them, um, it's a starting point. Yeah. You, know, you can go and, and I don't get too crazy with recipes as far as pickling products and stuff like that. It's real simple and basic. Um, but it kind of gets people on the right track and, and starting it and thinking about it and, they can kind of take it from there, I think.
0: And I love pictures, and I love I love the visual visuality of food, and so there'll be a lot of pictures in there. Of Is uh, visuality, I took, a word. I don't know, but it should be sounds good. <laughs> like to I took almost food? all the pictures that are in this guide. I if if there's pictures in there that I didn't take either Ryan took them or, you know, our friend James Sylvester took them or something, you know, of our garden. But most of these pictures, I took myself and I've really kind of create, I've, I've, this summer and just having this project, I've kind of got intimately connected with these plants by even more so than we were before is by taking pictures of them and, you know, just creating food out of them and taking pictures of the, the food that we created. And um, I'm finding it, I'm just finding it really rewarding that way. My dream is to have a, my dream would be to have like a coffee table book, you know, because I think photography and and pictures, they really invoke a sense of emotion that I I don't know if a lot of people read that much anymore. You know, I think eBooks and stuff like that are easier for time, but you know, a coffee table book with beautiful pictures and stuff that will always kind of bring you into yeah, that place. As
1: we, you know, we're still pretty new at this. As we get more involved, um, as we get more involved and we, we get uh, more engaged with what we're doing here on the Land Harvest Health, um, platform, we'll do, we'll take better picks. We'll take more picks. We'll probably make more videos. We'll, we'll do more things that, you know, I'm really bad at getting this content because I'm just so used to just going through and doing my business. <laughs> I cannot. You
0: guys are going to be super excited. He finished a blog today that he's been working on for about eight months. And so. Really? Eight months? Oh my gosh. You were working on that. Uh, When when did we go talk at Joe Roeder's place?
1: I don't remember. April? No. I started it back then and I haven't really looked at it since
0: Exactly. Then. <laughs> so. It's exciting for me. And not only that, Ryan is a really good writer. If you go back to our blog and you read some of the blogs he wrote back when we started this, he is a very good writer. So I mark disagree. my words, Ryan is going to be writing a book soon. I and I'm going to be taking all the pictures. And it'll be, You disagree? Yeah. You are an excellent writer. I want everybody who is listening to this, if they go to our website and they read his blogs, or they read his upcoming blog on solo hunting you let us know how good of a reader is and if he sucks, please let me know it that too sucks. but
1: it is amateur hour because I'm not good I never have been a good writer no you're always been putting a good something writer down on paper
0: so That's about it so yeah. we when he used to go to Alaska, not Alaska but Russia you know he would journal. This is back in the nineties when people actually wrote stuff down. I used to get letters in the mail, y'all. Like love letters in the mail from Russia. You know, that doesn't happen anymore. There's no, you know, maybe with email and the things that have changed, it's just different. But back then, he used to write journals about his days over there in the Steelhead and you know, being on these rivers and all the wildlife and I would read these stories. It's very visual. Like, I could see it. I could feel it. And he has always been... Uh, I, and I think it has to do with probably anybody who has spent so much time in nature. You know, it's probably like Renella or... You know, Rinella's a great writer, even though he's a trained writer. writer.
1: Rinella is a great writer. Yeah, but
0: he's been writing and he's had practice and he's put his stuff out there and he's been critiqued and he's been, he probably has mentors and he has all this stuff. You are this in the same category in a way that you. No, maybe not with not writing, but you have the experience of being out in nature and that intimate connection with that. Yeah, and here's that's the deal. where My... writing comes through and that you're conveying that that you're conveying that thing in time that a lot of people don't get to experience. So it's not like you're like the best writer in the world, but what you're writing about is something that so few people actually experience. Look,
1: I don't write very much. It is a rare rare thing that i you need write to do it more like you said i haven't even done any what was it eight months ago i started and um and yeah and i just finished it and i haven't even looked at it in amongst those uh, eight months so i just don't write very much at so all i always notice. find something else to do
0: yeah so what you're hearing now is is that <laughs> in the book our our first book here the ebook I did most of the writing and I took the pictures. Ryan did most of the recipes and he did most of the actual labor. <laughs> so Ryan is the, the workhorse and I'm the workhorse in the fact that I like bringing creative stuff together and making it happen. He is the one who actually experiments and learns and researches and does the work. So, you know, we make a fair, we make a good team with that. Um, I, I think he's a good writer because he has these experiences, like I said, that very few people have had. And I feel like when I read it, that I can walk into that place and maybe not fully understand it, but I can, I can imagine it, you know, and that is the sign of a good writer to me. Right.
1: I don't know why we're talking about good writers. There are no good writers here, but
0: so I'm not a good writer.
1: Well, you're the best yeah. writer. you're really good. <laughs>
0: come on I would prefer Can you give me some kudos after I just wrote a hundred pages of something? <laughs> oh no, I'm just saying that Ryan is actually the one who did all the work as far as figuring these things out and and I put it into form. so
1: yeah, I uh, I'll take shoveling dirt any day of the week over writing. It's
0: just me. You, you, I love it. You guys would <laughs> get a good laugh it. at him ab- about getting this done, though. Um, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. Where it's kind of like when he wants to do what he's going to do, it's like he's going to do it, which is usually hunting or I got to go outside and do something. Oh, oh, I got a canned tomato sauce today. Do you know how much work it is to actually can tomato sauce? It's quite a bit of work. It's it's a lot of work. So most people would be like, uh. I'm not going to do that. Well, Ryan would actually rather do that than sit down and finish a blog. Absolutely. So, so, you know, he's going hunting again, which is what he wants to do and he's good at. But I said, listen, you got to get this done for me. And I mean, you should see he's writing really good stuff, really good content. And you'll see it when you see it, when it gets out, when I get it out to you he's got this scowl on his face like he's just being tortured (laughs) and i'm like looking at him going are you okay and he's like what and then you know i can multitask a million things at once so i'm listening i'm doing patient treatment plans i'm writing half the book and i'm listening to a lecture on neuro something (laughs) and he just looks up i can't write while i'm listening to this guy talk and then I go, geez, okay. I have to put my headphones on. You know, he's very he focuses on one thing, but you would yeah, think yeah. that you I would think I that somebody pooped in his a... piss- picnic basket just trying to get him to finish this vlog, you know. <laughs> but
1: yeah, yeah, I'm not a multitasker in that way. I can multitask around the kitchen, but You can. You can. No way can I listen to a podcast <laughs> and try to like come up with a half not horrible little short blog
0: yeah well anyways he's a great writer this book that we wrote we worked on we both did our equal amounts of work on it and hopefully you will you know buy it it's not expensive um and I have to say anybody who's written anything, written a book, you feel like this should be gold. I should be selling this for a thousand dollars. And then you're like, this is just a little book, you know, it's a, uh, but there was a lot of labor and love that went into that little thing. So if it gives you any like help with what you want to do, it shares a little bit of our lifestyle. Um, it gives you ideas for what to cook up in in the kitchen and, especially you backcountry guys with your backcountry meals and uh, that's really what was our goal right just just help people to to live simply more simply Um, because you think about the days I guess simple is probably not the word we could spend if you didn't have a job like In the old days, like homesteaders, you could literally, I mean, I think women did this and men did this your entire day, you know, tribally, we've talked about this, your whole day is preparing for the next day or for food or for meals and, you know, for winter and all that stuff. So it's not really simple. It's just not quite what the world is today. So anyways, um, again, you can check that guide out, huntharvesthealth.com (coughs) slash Stealthy Preservation Guide. And you can email us, Instagram us. You can share your recipes on social media um, and let us know what you think. Yep. And Ryan's off in the morning. Let's wrap this up. To go deer hunting. Go to sleep. <laughs> I'm
1: getting up at 2 a.m. to get on the road.
0: All right. Priorities. Absolutely. Okay, y'all. Well, thanks for listening in. Hopefully, this has been helpful.
1: Take care, guys. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening to the Hunt Harvest Health podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Visit our website at huntharvesthealth.com for more podcast stories and recipes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hunt Harvest Health. You can also message me at Healthy Hunter. that's S-T-H, and I will be more than happy to answer any questions you might have. Also, tag your photos, hunt, and harvest, health, or get stealthy as we enjoy seeing what you guys are doing as well.